Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. know that you can now get access to more of my content education support and guidance in the new thrive community platform thrive is a place to connect with like-minded individuals who are all on the journey of living alcohol free you can gain access to materials and a video library of toolkit ideas which will help keep you grounded as well as boost your emotional sobriety It's a place to celebrate milestones, big or small, and connect with me directly via weekly lives and a weekly Q&A session in Zoom. No matter where you are in your quest to live a happy, free and sober life, there is plenty to gain from Thrive. Membership is just £20 a month and none of the internal tools are gated, so you won't be asked to pay more for courses and tools once you're in there. Please head over to www.sassysobermum.com slash thrive or click the link in my Insta bio. Look forward to seeing you. Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I have Jodie from Newark in Nottinghamshire and Jodie's been sober for 107 days. So that is fantastic, Jodie. We follow each other on Instagram. So I've, I've, I've actually, I think I've been connected to you from almost the beginning or certainly the very early days. And it's been fabulous to watch you thriving um, in your early sobriety. I'm super excited to meet you face to face and to chat to you today. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, it's no, it's fabulous. And it's really nice actually because this is also the last recording of 2022. There we go. So um yeah, no more recording until the new year. How has that happened? I know, I know, it's mad. And also this podcast is booked up until June in terms of podcast slots, which <laughs> I feel um slightly anxious, but very, very proud and happy um, yeah, of sure. but yeah, it's quite mad to think that it's booked for six months already. So anyway, enough of that. Tell us a bit about Jodie. So I'm Jodie. I'm mum slash mummy to two boys, Dexter, who is 12, and Ollie, who is five. I live with both of them, my amazing husband, Dale, and our one-year-old dog, Ralphie. He's a Spaniel Beagle cross, and he's very energetic and adorable, much like Ollie, my youngest. Um, We live in the middle of nowhere in the countryside near the River Trent in a 200-plus-year-old cottage that we're currently renovating. Um, I work for the UK's leading gifting company as a digital marketing product manager, really career focused, uh, also very family focused also, and finding a balance of that has always been very difficult, Um, but I am actually closer to nailing that now. Thank you to giving up the humongous time thief that is alcohol. Yes. (laughs) Ah, see, this explains it. Now I can understand why your social media is so nice and slick because you're in digital marketing. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool. So um, let's talk about alcohol then. So what did alcohol look like in your life? Oh, God. How long have we got? It's a big question, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Um, So if I think back to the first time that I remember alcohol touching my lips, I was, I think, around 11 years old. In fact, I must have been because I was in my first year of comprehensive. One of the girls that we were very friendly with had kindly raided her dad's alcohol cupboard and brought in an empty bottle Um, sorry not an empty bottle a full bottle um, which had brandy in it from my dad's cupboard we were 11 years old we were in the girls toilets and I can remember the taste of it we didn't drink it and get drunk but as giddy 11 year olds we passed it around in the toilet 
um, not really looking at who was around and they went straight to the teachers and told them. So in my first year of comprehensive, we missed our first school disco because we got suspended. Oh, so I was 11 years old. That's just oh, ridiculous, isn't it? That is so young. Yeah. So, so young. Um, so my form tutor in year seven actually nicknamed me because my main my maiden name was Brand. So my nickname became Brandy in my first year of comprehensive by my by my form tutor, which is a nice little label to have at 11 years old, isn't it? Brandy. Um, but yeah, that was what we were drinking in the toilets. So what, what do you expect? Um, from then, I didn't touch alcohol again. Um, you've got no need for it or want for it at 11, have you? It tastes exactly of what it is at 11. Mm. Um, the next time I can remember um, was being 14. My parents were having a New Year's Eve party. And it was very much one of those parties that um, I think we're of a similar age, Terry, that maybe our parents were quite similar in terms of they didn't know who was drinking alcohol at the parties. And they also didn't know what the kids were doing either. Mm. Um, So I can remember stumbling down. We were in a very small village, um, stumbling down the road, feeling very bad, very badly and waking up in a little lane to a field not too far from my house and not too much longer after that I'd actually gone down there so I'd not been in the field for long um but I remember waking up there nobody knew where I was and this is 14 years old stumbling back home again like nothing had happened but that was my second that was my first proper experience with with drinking too much of it and that was whiskey at that time which I've never touched since because it just reminds me of that of that moment yeah um but again, 14 is so super young. Um, mm-hmm. Then we were at youth club from 15 um, in, in the similar group to who I was drinking in the toilets with in year 11. Um, and we would stand outside the shop trying to get people to buy us alcohol. Yeah, I was that person that used to go in and get it as well. Were you? Yeah, well, not at 14. At 15, yeah. for some reason, I just used to manage. I was getting served like quite a lot of bottles of alcohol yeah. for me and my friends. So bizarre, isn't it? Different time back yeah. then, but it, yeah, is really bad. It is. I re- I'll remember still to the, to the day I died, the, the drink we were drinking as well, it was special red cider. I can't even smell cider now from that because just the amount we used to drink was awful. Yeah. Um, so really that was obviously kind of my, my school, um, my school days. Um, then I moved out and kind of lived on my own and I did drink very regularly looking back now I did drink very regularly um I was drinking red wine every night so I lived on my own so I could do what I liked really mm. you can when you're on your own because nobody's watching over you are they and how and how um, old were you at this point god I would say I was early 20s right yeah my early 20s when I moved out mm. um so I I've, I've always grown up around a family of heavy drinkers boozy mm. drinkers um and I did used to, I used to sit up with my mum and we would drink red wine together. When we lived together at the ha- at her house, we would drink red wine. She'd put Patsy Klein on and we would just sit and reminisce about her childhood and all that sort of thing. And it was very normal. Yeah. But I then took that into when I lived on my own. So I wasn't drinking with my mum anymore. I was sat drinking red wine on my own. Mm. I had a full-time job and I would think nothing of getting up the next morning and going and nailing my sales targets and doing this, that and the other. Yeah. Um, but that's what I would do. And then because I was living on my own, I was early 20s. That was my weekday. My weekends were getting absolutely hammered on vodka, lime and soda and all the other recreational habits that kind of come along with it. Mm. Um, ended up at house parties. To be fair, the house parties, the majority of the time were at mine. Um, but we'd regularly end up at people's houses that we didn't know. I mean, it makes me cringe now. We rarely slept from Friday through to Sunday, and then we would get up and have at it again all week. Mm. Um, I mean, I moved through different types of jobs. I was never kind of, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was never kind of out of work. I always held down a job. So on the outside, even in my 20s, I was I was making a good go of it, and I was doing well in the jobs that I got. So from an outsider's perspective didn't look problematic and to me it didn't because that's Mm. what everybody else was doing yeah although now I think if I'd have really questioned myself at the time none of my friends were chugging back a bottle of wine every night in Mm. in their early 20s like they weren't doing that but they were out with us at the weekend so I was up partying with them so I didn't feel like I kind of stood out um 
but I, I, as I've been kind of trying to re- reminisce through this, I remember that my friends used to ask if I wanted to go out on a Friday and I'd say, no, I'm trying to save money. They would leave it until about quarter past nine when they knew I'd had a bottle of wine and then they'd turn up and make me get ready and go out because they knew I'd had wine. And of course I'd go out and party with them then. <laughs> but that was, I think really, I think back now and I think, God, did I have a name for myself then? Is that, yeah. is that do you know what I mean? That they could yeah. rely on the fact that I would have been tipsy. Yeah. And then and then they get me out with them. But anyway, yeah, so that was my 20s. Um, halfway through my 20s, Dale and I, um, who was my husband, we um, we got back together. And I say back together because we originally got together when I was much younger, when I was a baby, when I was 15. Um, didn't work then because I was too young. Got back together again when I was 19, but he joined the RAF, so he was never here. So it didn't, the timing was never quite right. Yeah. Uh, so then when I got to around 24, our kind of lives kind of rejoined again. Um, and he wasn't, I wouldn't say he was a massive drinker. Um, we would drink a lot together at a weekend, but he did not drink in the week. So I'd gone from this chaotic party girl kind of mentality to moving in with this very sensible, um, guy in the forces, um, and sitting and drinking wine whilst he wasn't drinking wine. He wasn't drinking Mm. beer. So on Monday through to Thursday, I would sit and drink my bottle of red wine whilst he was having a cup of tea. And it was the first time, kind of, as I look back, I was living with somebody or being around somebody whilst I was drinking that could moderate. Yes. It made me start to not question. I just stopped doing it because I started to feel uncomfortable. Like It it highlights it, doesn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? It it sort of shines a bit of a light on it when someone drinks in a that close to you in a very different pattern completely completely Mm. so I just started feeling this is this is not attractive really and you want to be attractive when you first get with somebody don't you and it was I had to kind of knock that on the head um so I did I did I did stop drinking in the week um in the week with him um so we had my son Dexter when I was 26 and we also had him quite quickly. We were quite naive in the fact we thought we'd start trying. It'll take us ages. And it did. We were very lucky. It did happen very, very quickly. Um, he was only child for around seven years. Um, so the three of us were kind of thick as thieves with three amigos, which we used to call ourselves. Um, and we tried to start conceiving. Uh, we tried to conceive, sorry, for um, a brother or a sister for Dexter when he was two. Um, but after about a year of trying there, um, we ended up doing some sort of investigative surgery to see if there was anything more sinister there because things weren't happening. I mean, like I said, Dexter came, happened very, very quickly. Mm. Again, naively thought that the same would be, the case mm. would be the same, sorry, um, with the second. Um, but anyway, so we did the investigation, um, kind of came around from a general anaesthetic to the doctor stood over me saying, no, this isn't going to happen naturally for you. Um, wow. Your fallopian tubes are blocked and where, where the blockage wow. is, um, we can't operate to kind of fix that for you. So if you want any more children, you're going to have to have IVF, which was kind mm. of a bit of a... That's crushing, isn't it? Do yeah. they call this secondary fertility? Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I read about that quite a lot online, actually, that secondary yeah. fertility, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know That's... it existed. I, I had no idea. I thought just because we've managed to conceive so easily yes. with Dexter... That yeah. was going to be exactly the same case. Um, yeah. So anyway. That's um, crushing though, isn't it? That's... It's not the nicest. Mm. And for anybody that knows, I don't know if you do, or friends, or you've been through it yourself, it's really traumatic. Yeah. It is, it is very, very traumatic. But anyway, so um, we tried the first time and that failed. And then the second time we were lucky enough, so, so lucky enough um, for it to work. And we had Ollie when I was 34. Now, even... All of the troubles that we'd gone through to get Ollie, mm. I literally could not wait to pick up the red wine once I'd had him. I thought I envisaged that I was going to be this maternal, you've wanted this for so long, you are going to be the pinnacle of perfection this time with motherhood because you've wanted it. You, in, you're not going to you're not going to mess this up. It's going to be amazing. But instead of that, I wouldn't ever say I was a bad mum at all, but I wanted to drink the wine. Mm. So like at nighttime where I envisaged I would be sat nursing him. Um, yeah. For one reason or another, I couldn't I couldn't breastfeed anyway. But instead of thinking that I need to be fully present for this newborn baby, mm. I would still sit and drink the red wine at night and wake up for the night feeds. Yeah. And he could just smell the wine instead yeah. of his mum. And mm. that took over. And at the time, it didn't seem problematic. 
seemed completely normal because mummy mm. wine culture and that's yes. what we do to get through the shit and the stress um so it didn't seem problematic so anyway um a few things happened let's say going forward maybe a couple of years to around 2019 um obviously the first couple of years of any child's life is just massive whirlwind isn't it so I'm trying mm-hmm. to place where I was and what happened mm-hmm. so we skip forward to 2019 a few things kind of happened um which meant I was signed off for work um for a few weeks and put on some medication for anxiety um covid then hit a few months after that and ollie was only two and as many happened with many people my drinking increased um my tolerance grew as well so it was obviously the more you drink the more you can handle um more it takes to get that kind of buzz that you've been chasing um so I was drinking a lot more often we had no need to drive the next morning um work was crazy chaotic um I'll save you the boring details of that but that was crazy chaotic as well um so yeah just really really overwhelmed with all of it and I'd find that a weekend I would now want to stay up to say like one o'clock two o'clock in the morning um just so that I could have that me time Mm. Or just Dale sitting there with me watching a movie wasn't enough. I needed to black out. I needed to have that. That sounds awful when I say that, but I wanted to reach that point where I was disconnected. I didn't have to yeah. answer to anybody. I didn't have to answer questions or make conversation. I wanted time where I could watch that Netflix series that no doubt I'd have no memory of the next morning because it's never our intention, is it? But that's the reality of it. I wanted to completely disconnect, and I can remember I would also I'd kind of talk Dale into going to bed early. So that I could be yeah. sat on my own. Do it in private. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I had become quite argumentative as well when I because red wine was my drink. That's what I drank. And it's mm. super strong. Very um, heavy. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. Um, so yeah, I would I would sit up until that time in the morning. I'd eat an uncontrollable amount of crisps. I, I, it's it it stays with me because I always remember like the next day you kind of wake up with the shame and guilt of you've not aligned with what you said you were going to do once mm-hmm. again but I'd also pack manned my way through all of the crisps that we bought for the whole week as well mm-hmm. so not only would he be annoyed with me because I've caused an argument I'd stayed up late I'd then eaten through all the pack up for the whole week and that's um. just gross <laughs> really when I think that he knew that I'd kind of done that. It might sound silly from an outsider's perspective, but to me, it was just pure greed. And I didn't need to be eating like that. I didn't need to be drinking like that, but something was making You're me like, like that. Filling a hole there, aren't you? Yeah. I suppose in some ways, trying to fill yeah. some sort of hole or void. Yeah. yeah. Really strange behavior, really strange behavior. Now, with the medication that I was taking, I'd started to fall over. So when I'd get up to go to bed at night, I'd fall over. Now, it was not through drinking more than what I'd drank before. I think it was the combination of the medication that I was on, the amount that I was drinking. And I can remember the bruises were, I'm I'm not talking tens of times. It was a handful of times, but enough for me to think something's got to change. And guess what I changed? Not the alcohol, I cold turkeyed off the medication my doctor had given me because, of course, it wasn't going to be the alcohol that was to blame. It was the mixture with the medication and the mm. alcohol. Mm. So I just basically decided that I was I didn't need this medication anymore. I'm fine. I'm going to stop taking it, which for anybody that's tried to cold turkey off antidepressants, because that's what they give you for anxiety also, it's bloody horrible. It's really, really horrible. Um, so, yes, um, that happened. Um, I'd, I'd already switched from drinking um, red wine to Prosecco to try and challenge the um, the argumentative streak in me as well. Because again, rather than just knocking it on the head, I'll just change what I'm drinking. Yeah. Plus there's less calories, less calories in Prosecco. So everyone's a winner. Um, so that's, we, like, we like to exhaust all of these avenues first, don't we? Rather than it's, just quitting the booze. It's, it's definitely the strength of the alcohol that is the problem or, or the colour of it. Yeah. Oh. God, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, all of this stuff as well. I mean, I have to give Dar some credit, bless him. He had been kind of trying to tell me for a long time, red wine's not, not great. You might, might be drinking a little bit too much. Now, bearing in mind, all of this was only happening at a weekend. This wasn't happening every night of the week. And mm. this is why I thought I didn't have a problem. It's yeah. just contained to a weekend. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it might bleed into a Wednesday or a mm. Tuesday and a Wednesday every now and again. But because I contained this 
chaotic behavior just to a weekend I never saw it as a problem that's what everybody else was doing that's what a lot of my friends do now and that's fine um so yeah I'll be kind of letting myself down every weekend I'd buy a couple of bottles of Prosecco um I'd buy a couple of bottles of Prosecco with the intention that I'd just drink on a Friday I'd get to Saturday morning those bottles are pretty much gone so I think right it's fine I'll go and get another couple of bottles for Saturday night mm. not drinking on Sunday though no, under no circumstances will I drink Sunday because I've got to get Monday morning it's weekly trade I've got to present to my director I need to have my shit together I need my mm. A game Sunday lunchtime we'd take the dog for a walk we'd be in the pub have a pint get the taste for it be at the shop get a bottle of Prosecco yeah. and that would be it Monday morning yeah. I would be waking up I would feel all the shame, all the guilt, a huge hangover, the fear of presenting, which I have anyway. I absolutely Mm. hate public speaking. And then I started forming a habit of taking beta blockers every Monday morning to steady my heart rate Mm. for the hangover and the anxiety that I'd induced myself all weekend. Yeah. That is just, if that's not a red flag, I don't know. It just makes me feel, makes me feel sad. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just makes yeah. me feel like, oh, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just because I can relate to so much of your story because you're, yeah. you're, you're articulating. I think a lot of people's drinking styles so well. Mm. It makes me feel almost like a bit, I don't know, kind of like almost a bit emotional because I, I, I can imagine how much anxiety that Monday morning would have given you and and you know to put yourself in a position where they you're then taking that kind of medication to try and stabilize your mood and it's just like it just makes me feel really sad you know it's like self-destruct yeah like self-destruct I knew exactly how I did not want to feel on a Monday because it wasn't a one-off it became every Monday Mm. and knowing how I felt putting myself in that situation and then willingly it wasn't willingly and that's the thing Terry I realized that I wasn't in control anymore because my intention was to not do that yeah but somewhere through the weekend from Friday from that first drink I thought fuck it Mm. I wasn't thinking anymore I wasn't in control anymore and it might sound a bit strange but I know in the book that and I know you've read it and I'll talk about it more in a moment, the Alan Carr's oh. Easy Way to Quit Drinking for Women. That, we love the Alan Carr book. <sighs> Honestly, the oh, niggling voice yeah, yeah. won every bloody weekend. Every mm. weekend, I'd start yeah. from low. And then before I knew it, I was doing the same thing. So that was obviously not a great situation to be in. Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll say obviously, but maybe it doesn't happen for everybody. But for me, I gained three stone during lockdown. I know a lot of people struggle with their weight during lockdown. Mm. Um, I was already three stone overweight as well. Um, but yeah, it's I, I, needed to, I needed to focus on getting that off. I really wanted to focus on getting that off. Um, and the only way for me to be able to lose the weight was when I took breaks from alcohol. Yeah. It was the only way that I could do it. And I knew I needed to get a hold of it. I knew I needed to get a hold of, of, of my weight. I knew I needed to get a hold of actually sticking to when I wanted to drink. And it was all focusing around moderating. It was mm. never, how can I quit and remove this? Yeah. It was the battle with moderating all the yeah. time. You can do it. You can stick yeah. to just a Friday. You can stick yeah. to just a Friday and a Saturday. But week in, week out, yeah. I would prove that I couldn't, but it just still bashed up the whole moderating drum all the time. This moderation thing, honestly, has such a lot to answer for, doesn't it? <laughs> the, the moderation myth. In moderation doesn't actually exist. No. I don't. The, the, moderation happens for people who never think about moderation. Absolutely. You know, they just, they happen to have a drink here and there. They take it or leave it. They are not hyper-focused on alcohol. They do not display mm. these patterns of destructive behavior and they just don't think about it and I think that's the thing that people get themselves in knots about is I think that because we you people say just learn to moderate it's it is for for 90 whatever percent I mean I would argue I don't know anyone that are and all the people that I've been exposed to as well in the last three years or whatever being sober I've never met anyone that can moderate their drinking but anyway apparently there is a percentage of people a small percentage of the camp it's like 0.05 it's just it's just tiny so let's let's argue that 98 percent or maybe 99 if we're feeling you know (laughs) can't think of the word but 99 percent of people uh, can't moderate and yet that's the sort of thing that we're all craving for and I just I 
in some ways, I think we just we have to take moderation off the table. Doesn't exist. If you're having to try and moderate, take that as the biggest sign you won't. I think you've said before, as soon as you start applying rules around it, there's a problem there. And that's that's factual. Is that my husband? He'd say he moderates. I'd just say you're not bothered about drinking. Yeah. And I was the biggest, I was the biggest instigator with him. I'm the bad influence. Well, we he was my drinking buddy. We would, we'd get back from a party and sit up until 2 30 in the morning playing tunes really loud if the boys weren't here. He was yeah. my drinking partner. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and now yeah. I stopped drinking, Terry. The impact has had on him, he barely touches it at all. Yeah. It's had such a positive funny, like, isn't it? chain reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just and I've realized now I cannot moderate. I am not one of those people that can moderate. Mm-hmm. At all. I thought about it all the time. Yeah. It's the, it. it's the best thing you can do for yourself. And I think for anyone listening to this episode, um, just take it off the table yeah. because you, you won't get it. You will not achieve it. And actually, nobody is happy moderating. Nobody is really happy because you are too hyper-focused on moderating. Mm. You're too focused on your intake and the colour of the wine and the strength of the booze and whatever it is and making sure you don't have it. This It's literally a full-time job. Well, even if it's not, it's a part-time job. It is taking up too much brain space. It's, I think when you get to the point, and I was the same as you, Jodie, I, when I went into getting sober, I think I had just accepted that I can't moderate. And actually, it took me ages to get to that point. It took me two stints of sobriety that were not successful, obviously. Um, but yeah, and, and I think when I did this stint, or I should say, well, this life change, um, mm. then it was only down to the fact that I had accepted that this was not going to happen for me. Like I took it off the table and yeah. the relief of doing that was immense, as I'm sure it was for you. Yeah. Completely. Now, I, I never really, um, I didn't intend on long-term sobriety, and I know I've voice noted you before, haven't I? And sort of said, to you, oh, my God, I'm at day 30, but I can tell you I'm never going to drink again. <laughs> mine, mine was very much, I'm I'm doing a 100-day challenge. It's an, it is 100 days, and yeah. that is all I'm going to do. I'd worked it out to the de- the end date because I was going away with the girls. I thought, this yeah. is perfect. It finishes, and I can go and get leather with my friends. Mm. And that's, that's where my head was at until I read the bloody Alan Carr book and I completely stitched myself up. I was running down a lane and it was my kind of like my podcast, my audio book for, to keep me kind of going. And I remembered the bit where they do the ritual at the end. And I was thinking, oh, whatever, I'll do the bloody ritual, I did the ritual. And I remember running down the, uh, down the, down the road and sort of shouting there, I will never drink again. Like some sort of scene off of a movie, like a crazy <laughs> one. Um, and then this is going to sound a bit mental, but for f- a few days following that, I went into the biggest emotional slump. My husband was like, what's happened to you? You're meant to feel elated because I was only ever reading these books, listening to your podcast, listening to Sober Awkward and whatever else mm. to keep me on my 100-day challenge. Yeah. When I read this book, I knew I was never, ever going to touch a drop of alcohol again. And I honestly think I was grieving for four, yeah, to four wow. or five days for a week afterwards. I was in the biggest slump because I thought, well, that's it then it's yeah. final now there's no way that I could possibly start drinking knowing all of that yeah. um and I just felt like I completely stitched myself up so at 30 days of my 100 days that was it I was done I was never ever drinking again never wow I know it's weird. it just shows you doesn't it like the power of a book or a podcast or a story yeah. or you know it just shows you I mean that is actually um I, I think a lot of people love the Alan Carr book. I, I loved it. I, I think it changed my life as well. Um, and some people maybe favor This Naked Mind, the Annie Grace book. Yeah. Or The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. But the one thing that I always say to people is read the Alan Carr book, even if it sometimes, you know, can be guilty of being a bit repetitive. It's like, at the end of this book, you will do this. And it's like, for God's sake, just take, just get me to the end. I just want, I want the magic, whatever. I want the miracle. Um, I want the miracle and I want it now. But, you know, you have to sort of be patient and read through the book. I don't know. It's, it, I guess it's very cleverly designed in that way because when you get is. to the book, you, you do feel the thing. And, yeah. um, a lot of people have said the same. It doesn't work for everybody. Look, you know, some, some things work for some and not for others. But I would say for the most part, when I've recommended that book, people have said the same as you. And yeah. I just think it does such an incredible job of stripping back 
why we place value on alcohol you know and that's what it all comes down to we desire alcohol because we place value on it because we think we're getting something from it because we believe and it's a belief not a fact but we believe that we're getting fun or connection or you know good sex whatever it is that we're getting from alcohol you know we believe it's not true about that because the sex is better without alcohol oh completely it's a million times better (laughs) um yeah absolutely but I think that book really does a good job of making you look in the mirror and sort of start to peel back those beliefs that have been built up and formed for all different reasons over time. Our backgrounds are very similar. Um, and we even were living in the same, because I'm I'm from the Midlands area, so we probably have a really similar um, background in, in terms of our sort of parents and things like that and the culture. Um, but yeah, it's the first book that really starts to unpick some of those beliefs and and those those thought patterns and makes you question what you're really getting from alcohol and I just found that so transformative and yeah I'm delighted that you got so much from it because I I just think that book for me is yeah I wish I wrote that book myself it's amazing (laughs) it's just a different like you say you're looking at it through a different lens whereas I think I've pretty much read 90% of your resources list on your website of all the books that you can kind of go through because I've had breaks from alcohol before again purely to get the weight off purely just to get the weight off yes but that's looking at it from people other people's perception through their eyes through their way of drinking through um everybody's so different whereas this is a different it's it's different it's looking at the kind of um removing the desire it's yes. it's not just relying solely on willpower because well that's it rely on willpower you feel yes. like you're missing out all the bloody time yeah well the willpower is the thing that stitches you up Mm. Um, at some point in in in, or in the long run Mm. willpower alone is not enough you have to get emotionally sober and that's something I I'm always kind of banging on about really but it's so important because I was like you I did a 100 day stint at 39 and that was because I'd had a big breakup and was a single parent and I thought you know what I could I could see myself slipping off a cliff and I thought I need you know, maybe like you did about your way, I just knew that I was going to slip off this cliff and I didn't, I, I needed to sort of reset myself. Yeah. Um, so I did this 100 days. Be- before that, 10 years prior to that, I'd, I'd done eight months. Both times I did no um, learning or no self-development work. I was what, I've only recently learned this phrase, which I'm slightly embarrassed about having been sober for so long, but I learned, I was a dry drunk. I was basically you know, still a drunk person in my head, but it just wasn't drinking. And that's because I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't reading. I wasn't listening to podcasts. I was just focused on not picking up a drink for a hundred days. So what you have done, what that's, you know, really changed it for you uh, is, is all of this educational and emotional sobriety piece. But I find that really fascinating though, because there's a lot of books on that resource list. I don't know how many is there, 30 odd? I think yeah, something well, like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's really powerful that actually you'd read those books, but and you really weren't expecting to no, I go really sober, really kind of no. like, like, that's it, yeah. that's your life choice yeah. now. And I just think that's going to give so many people so much hope. Mm-hmm. That, I just want to educate. I think you, I can't yeah. preach because I'm still only 100 days. I feel like oh, I've, I've said to you before, you're yeah. coming from a very early, early part, but you've got to be confident in it. You have to be confident regardless of whether it's two days, two weeks, two years, whatever it might be. Yeah. If you know, you've got, you've got to, you've got to be confident. You've got to be yeah. confident in that. Um, but yeah, I, I just didn't expect it to be a forever thing. And I am oh. already becoming a preacher and I need to stop being preachy (laughs) I even got into a debate with somebody online yesterday which I promised myself I would not do but I stupidly got triggered they were talking about alcohol um so I got my two cents in there and oh my goodness all day they were at it kind of replying and trying to justify getting wasted every weekend I thought why why are you banging this drum just let let them do them and you do you yeah never again that's that's very good advice I also have learned this early on (laughs) (laughs) but people sometimes um you know they 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 feel like they 
they can say anything i think because you're posting something on social oh, media but yeah. you know you're absolutely right you have to stand by what you're believing and that's okay you know you're passionate about something and it is sobriety is something to feel passionate about i mean uh, and i love that narrative because it's changing the conversation you know we're moving away from oh how shameful i'm having to be sober in this party because yeah. i'm just that i'm that one person that can't handle my drink yeah. we're moving the conversation from that to hey guess what people mm. this is a life choice i'm feeling amazing not drinking yeah. alcohol i can actually live my life and just be myself yeah. and guess what people love me for it and I love me for it. And, you know, it's just all that positivity. Look, not, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it gets easier. It yeah. does get easier. Oh, it does. And yeah. if you do the emotional sobriety work, I, I personally, I think that you can become free of it. And I know some people might have strong views and disagree with me on that. I can only talk about what's relevant through my experience but I am free from alcohol I don't I am so excited about my fridge full of alcohol free booze I cannot tell you yeah I, I'm getting a bit obsessed about it <laughs> me. but you know uh yeah it's just it's it's wonderful I'm excited about it I don't miss alcohol at all yeah, uh, and that is a revelation really um, so going back to you um you slightly different story for you because obviously the the main driver behind your um reason for for changing your relationship was to do with you know health and weight mm -hmm. and then you read this 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 book and amongst other things yeah talk about what were those other things so when you got to the sort of point where you stopped you're obviously reading and listening to podcasts yeah so I, what's, I what's it been like I've been so I've been taking breaks I have I've taken possibly three breaks but I've never got over the three the three week mark I've never managed to do a full month um, and that's kind of where my curiosity kind of started. And the last time I took a break, we were going away to um, Mallorca in August, all inclusive with the kids, absolute bedlam. They loved it. It was manic, um, as you can imagine. Um, but so I wanted to try and get a little bit of weight off before I went away. Now, I'd, I think had we not got the holiday, possibly it would have been then and not after the holiday, because I did start to get these niggles of you might be able to do this forever. Maybe you could just do it. Yeah. Instantly, cold sweats, hairs stood up on end, no way, as if you cannot not drink. You'll never have fun again. You'll never be accepted. Yeah. You know, all the sort of crap that goes with it. <laughs> and how could you possibly ruin the holiday? If you're not drinking, Dale's not going to have fun. If he's drinking, but he's not drinking. Um, so I thought, right, sod it. Three weeks out of the four weeks, done. And then on holiday, um, there was a couple of things like, um, we, we got Pally with a couple from um, Newcastle. Kids of a similar age, they were drinking, we were drinking, we had a really good laugh. But at the end of the night, I'm sending Dale off to go and get a bottle of Prosecco to come and sit back up on the balcony. So the kids had gone to bed, we'd sit and drink Prosecco. After an evening of drinking and the entertainment all-inclusive venue, we didn't mm. need any more to drink. So they would go off and she'd be like, where's Dale gone? And I'd say, he's gone to go and get a bottle of Prosecco. But the regularity of me saying that to her in the last week, and she'd be like, oh, we're going to go off and just have a cup of tea. You guys seem way more fun than me, but it didn't seem fun to me. At that point, I was quite aware that this mm -hmm. isn't normal. Yeah. This is quite late at night. Just because yeah. the kids are going to lay in the next morning because they've had a late night doesn't mean that you can have an extra bit of Prosecco at night. But you can't, you can't stop, though, can you? No. That's the problem. Once you open the gate if you like yeah. and have that first yeah, yeah. glass of prosecco you don't want that party to stop no not at and all. it and it is crazy with kids in bed next door really when you think yeah. about it now for your sober eyes with the kids next door you've already had probably a bottle of prosecco you're going back onto the balcony to have more you're going to mm. go to bed at 2 a.m or whatever the kids are going to be up at six and want to be splashing in the pool yeah. i mean it's just carnage isn't it it is completely and it's just you don't think anything of it. You no. just repeat the cycle over and over. in it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. completely, completely. Um, but yeah, it's it, that. So that on that holiday, there was a few things, and I sort of said to Dale when I got back, hundred days, I'm going to do the hundred day challenge, and that that was it. Literally, got back on the 29th of August. I went and bought my favourite bottle of red wine. I've not been drinking red for ages. Had my bottle of red wine. Had that next morning. That was it. Yeah, at it. And then I haven't looked back since. Wow. 
That's amazing. So did you buy any books or anything for that first bit of your, you know, what? Mary, what I've, I have listened, my ears have been full of either podcasts or audio books <laughs> or for the last hundred days. I've, I was, yeah, I was never one for really studying at school. Some subjects kind of came quite naturally to me, but if I kind of somebody give me a textbook, I'd be like, nah, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. But with this, I don't feel like I've ever throw myself into educating myself about anything as much as this it's funny isn't it I always think um and I'm the same by the way but I always think that it's a bit like studying for a degree or something the it amount is. of energy mm. that um you can pour into this subject mm. I, I I don't know it's just it's fascinated me from the word go and I'm still quite obsessed about learning new information yeah. or new things about the brain or yes, you know what the I mean? brain. That, all of that is fascinating isn't it do you follow is it doc amen i do yes yeah. Yeah. the brain scans the scans yeah. of people that drink against people that don't drink yeah those sorts of things you can't unsee you cannot unsee yeah, that. that's right um it's it's incredible it is incredible that's right. that's right so um what's been the most challenging bit for you the most challenging part, um, what would I say? We, so the people that we met on holiday, we arranged to go and meet them in York a few months ago. And I, I, I think out of the last hundred days, that is possibly the only time I felt really uncomfortable in my sobriety. Oh, God. Yeah. They are fab. They are fantastic. They are such a good laugh. Um, really, really lovely people. But we were hoping to get to York on the Christmas market and we'd gone the week week before, the weekend before. So I was thinking it's fine because we'll be going around the markets. There'll be a meal at night. There'll be a bit of booze there. Um, and then we'll get up, have breakfast, and then we'll kind of go our separate ways and, and obviously have a good catch up with them. But it was the weekend after. So we ended up on a day session in York with the two of, with the three of them drinking. So Dale and the other two, they were drinking. Mm. Me, just trying well, I didn't want to drink, but I also didn't want to be in yeah. eight pubs <laughs> either. Being kind of going around York and everybody else getting more and more pissed. And I'm, I was, I was fine, but I did feel uncomfortable. And yeah. I think that was the hardest thing I've had to, I've had to deal with in terms of an occasion. Mm. But I'm so, sorry, when when was that in the hundred days? At what oh, point did that happen? I would say when did we go? When did we go? It was November, so about a month ago, I'd say. So two months in, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, about sixty-ish. Um, yeah. But on a, as a whole, the thing I found the most difficult is it's the emotions, Terry. It's it's all of that shit that I used to unknowingly numb out, all mm. comes like creeping out yeah <laughs> from everywhere and you've got to put a kind of like a a, a, a DIY like a, not a DIY like an SOS toolkit in place that mm. when that happens it isn't just cravings that are going to piss you off and take over it's an emotion it, it is all those years of suppressing things it's all those years of numbing them out and you need to have something in place that you can just put yeah. your shoes on and go out for a run or go yeah. to the gym or go for a power walk down the river or wherever you may be mm to distract yourself because to me they came crashing down stuff that I've not thought about for years that's interesting it's crazy yeah, but yeah. yeah. also as well I think um you've got all the stuff that you've been ignoring and mm. forcing back down but then you've also just got life <laughs> happening oh, yeah. and I don't know about you because we started drinking I, I think it must be rite of passage in this country certainly 14 yeah just I hadn't developed any coping skills and I think a lot of people are starting to understand that landscape for themselves as well mm. that actually when stressful things happen I don't know how to deal with them <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. I don't know actually how to process how I feel I don't know how to soothe myself I've not learned how how to self-soothe I don't know how to um you know it, it, fix a situation or even sometimes have a grown-up conversation that yeah. you know it's just all of that stuff as well isn't it so it's like I couldn't I couldn't even look myself in the mirror towards the end for yeah. any long period of time because I did not like what was looking back now I can confidently so I was literally saying this to my husband last night and I often sort of start it with you're gonna think this is stupid but <laughs> I, I I can openly look myself in the mirror now 
And I'm happy with the person that is looking back, but that has taken a good 80 to 90 days of those first 100 on working on that. And mm-hmm. I think when you kind of have the kind of chaotic 20s, it sounds like you had and I had, mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of shame that I needed to overcome as well about situations mm-hmm. that I got myself in, that I would die if my boys did now. I would die yeah. if they ended up doing that. I still pray today that they don't have my addictive nature and they get their dads and not mine. <laughs> um, but I, I had a lot of a shame to process as well yeah. and and realise that that's normal and it's okay. And a lot of the time you weren't quite with it when you were making those decisions. So that I found difficult. So I say it was a very small amount that I found hard, actually. There was quite a bit. But yeah, yeah it's the shame and the guilt and just being okay with that and putting that to bed because shame's a bigger demon. <laughs> shame's a huge a demon mm. to tackle on its own, isn't it? But yeah yeah I think when you've had a long history of drinking particularly from teenage years Mm -hmm. that you do get yourself into some situations that I mean I I've I've got some situations in my mind that nobody knows about not my husband not my friends there there are images and little videos that I can play back and they're only in my head. And sometimes mm. that's quite hard to deal with. Like you, I, I feel very fortunate that I've managed to foster some self-compassion. And I yes. have managed to separate the drinking version of me with the whole true version of me. <laughs> Who you're actually in. meant to be all yeah, along. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which is sitting here today talking to you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes people struggle with that separation. That That's the only way that I know how to try and work on processing that is to just try and accept that you're not the same person when you're under the influence of drinking or drugs. Um, And that does help to put some of that to bed. And I think that's wonderful that you have managed to do that because I think that also will give a lot of people a lot of hope because people, when they do reach out to me, quite often they are struggling with that shame element. Um, They're struggling with who they were when they drank. Um, And I've made decisions as a as a mum of baby or babies Mm -hmm. that, you know, again, they're all those private things in my head and they're embarrassing to me and and, and I and I hate them. But I have learned to accept them and sort of almost detach. Yeah, detach, Mm. because who I show up today you know, is so different and so much better and yeah. you know than than that version of me. And so so long as I'm going in the right direction, that's all right. And I'm sure that's exactly how you feel as well. Absolutely. And so flipping that then, what has been um and I love this because your your social media, which we'll we'll come on to in a moment when when we talk about how we can find you, but it it is there's so much positivity on it. And I do love that. I love that you're an ambassador for um yeah just this this change and this transformation you are describing some of the simple but lovely bits of being sober in the early days the simple things the the, the moments that we should try to find gratitude for Mm -hmm. because that helps to redevelop the way we think about the world but what has been the biggest gain for you the biggest gain for me, what's been the biggest gain? Um, it's hard to just choose one, isn't it? I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely have a few. Um, I think it's showing my eldest that I can stick to my word. Um, I've shared before that towards the end or the last time I had, last couple of times I had a break from drinking, because they grow up so bloody fast. Like you can get away with saying so much crap to them when they're younger <laughs> and they don't remember it and it goes over their heads. But when they get to like 10, 11, 12, especially where he's like a 70 year old, like my eldest is, I'd say I'm not drinking. And then it would get to halfway through the weekend. The, I can remember it only happened once. He said, mum, I thought you said you weren't going to drink this week. And that was it for me. Like that I could not let him think that I was going to let myself down. Mm. Or that I wasn't a woman of my word, that he couldn't trust his mum, because that didn't align with it. It didn't match up with how I was with him with everything else. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that is one of the biggest gains for me is 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 knowing that he can that I'm setting a good example for him. And also for Ollie as a five year old, he's not going to be in the pub as much as Dexter. Dexter mm. was brought up pretty much in a pub, in or around a pub around family drinking everything revolved around the booze everything 
And I've broken that. I've broken that generational chain for my boys, I hope. And just if they end up drinking, then fine, that's their choice. But I wanted to show them that there is another option because I was never shown that. Yeah, same. Not that I would pinpoint or blame yeah on anybody else yes but I'd never seen anything else Terry I was yeah. obviously going to take that into being on my own and bringing my own family up because mm. I'd never seen anything else and I just want them to see that it isn't all about the fucking booze mm. it's so powerful Jodie that and I think there's something there that really uh, stood out to me and that was about being able to be responsible mm. and, and make that change for your eldest. And it made me think about there's probably people listening to this that might have missed that window. And maybe they drank through their children's lives. And I just wanted to say that I do strongly believe, and I know this because I am a child of a very big heavy drinker probably alcoholic but she's not around anymore and I had no adult relationship with her so I I don't know I don't really know what the label is but I think when I think about my mum even if she stopped drinking today if she was alive and she wanted to make that change that would mean so much to me as her child, that it's almost like it's never too late. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, I want people to feel like you can drink for 10 years or you can drink for 50 years and you can still stop. Absolutely. You can still change your relationship with yourself and with those around you, especially your children. And I just think that's just such a lovely point, you know, and I think it's you've given yourself and your children and your husband probably, but you've given yeah. them all a gift, not yeah. not drinking. That's yeah. how I feel. I feel like I'm exactly the same as you. I feel um, powerful and proud of myself that yeah. I can show my kids that you can live another way to how yeah. I was yeah. perhaps raised. And yeah. and and but I but I also want those people that are listening that might not have had that opportunity or had that foresight at the time when their children were small because the culture is shifting now, but it wasn't like that 10 years yeah. ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but that it's never too late. Like it's never too late to change. Mm. And it's never too late to change relationships around you as well. Absolutely. Um, so what would be your top three tips on getting or staying sober? Well, we briefly touched on the desire part before. I think you've got yeah. to educate yourself. I think you absolutely have to educate yourself. I think if I'd have gone into this 100 days, like you say, just re- just relying solely on willpower. Yeah. I know what my willpower has been like for my entire 39 years. It's shocking. Um had I not educated myself, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't still be sober now. I would have done 100 days. I'd have gone and got very drunk with my girlfriends and we would have been, well, I did 100 days and lost some weight. It's great. Yeah. That's not again, but you have to, so you have to, I would recommend yeah. learning what even just a small amount, the impact it has on your brain, your body, anxiety, depression. The amount of times I hear, I mean, I've only got a small Instagram account, but the messages that I get around, Oh, I drink because I'm stressed or mm. I drink because I'm anxious. And it's that, no, <laughs> don't do it because of those things. Because actually, when you understand the science, mm. it's the alcohol that's causing those things yeah. in the first place. Um, but yes, I would absolutely recommend educating yourself. Just surround yourself, submerge yourself in the science and not just podcasts of fantastic yours. Honestly, I don't think, again, I would be where I am if it wasn't for your podcast because it's so relatable. Mm. Um, so outside of podcasts, it's the, the scientific side of things as mm. well. Human Lab, the, the podcast he did for the two hours on on the impacts on the body and the mind. Mm. You can't argue with that. You just cannot yeah. argue with it. Just on that, actually, have you heard of uh, Sober Powered? Yes, I have. Yeah. 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 Do you listen to the? Yeah, I podcast? haven't listened to her podcast though. No. Oh, this is going to change your life. Is it good? It's basically like fifteen-minute, twenty-minute um, episodes of just pure brain science. And it, uh, she's got a beautifully soft voice, hasn't she? I think. Yeah, she, she has. Yes, yes. And she is also. I think she's got. I'm going to make sure I get this right now, just in case she ever listens. But I think she's got. Um, 
a master's in biology so she has all of the education and you know certification all of that stuff to back it up as well and she just explains things in a way that is digestible Mm. um so you're gonna love that you're gonna love it start from the very beginning that would be my advice brilliant I will thank you um so the second tip would be don't compare yourself with other people nice the sober community on instagram oh god how refreshing i don't know of any other community that is like like in a big warm hug every time that you kind of scroll through it's i saw a meme the other day and it it made me laugh and it was um you might have seen it it was an old lady on the slot machines and it was how the sober community (laughs) responds to milestone posts sober (laughs) milestone posts i didn't see that it was really trying find it and yeah share yeah it send it to me <laughs> but it was so true of how supportive everybody is with each other but anyway it's, it's great for all of that but I think you, you you can with anything fall into a bit of a comparison trap I'm at 100 days too and I'm not feeling like that yes yeah. oh god maybe I should just have a drink or or, or whatever it might be but it's just yeah. not comparing yourself with with others or other it's the same with anything if you're wanting to make a bit of a, a brand out of your Instagram as well don't compare with other people don't compare follow accounts don't compare I should be doing reels because they are and that sort of mm-hmm. thing yeah just make it for for what it is and curate your feed don't follow people that don't inspire you someone said to me that instagram is like a magazine you can take the pages out that you don't find interesting and just unfollow people and you create you can curate your own yeah feed of nice. just heaven every time I like that um and the last one and i've been saying this i say since the beginning all of my <laughs> 107 days ago i'm so wise um is get out into nature just get out to a local park if you're not in the countryside um go down the river go whatever it may be just get out and walk it doesn't you don't need to wait for the 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 cravings to pop up or the negative emotions just start getting those endorphins going and make it part of your routine yeah brilliant love that uh education absolutely vital if you want lasting change i love the don't compare yourself I also think um wrapped up in that is manage your expectations people have I think quite often people have too high expectations of maybe themselves or of what the process is going to be like um and I just think that the best thing you can do to do for yourself is to just remove those expectations um and also get into nature I think that's such a great one walking is brilliant and you can Mm. also listen to podcasts at the same time just like a double whammy um and do you know what I think 107 days is bloody amazing and I would say to you own your wisdom Mm. because it doesn't matter how many days you've Mm. got really you know do you know what I mean? You've got yourself to that. You could have done a year's worth of learning in that hundred days, yeah. Because you're just so absorb, you know, you're absorbing all the information <laughs> around you, and it's so funny. Like there is this culture of people going, "Oh, but I'm only thirty days, or I'm only hundred <laughs> days." It's like, no, that is awesome. Like for every reason, that is amazing, and you're amazing, and you've done wonderfully well. Thank you. Um, so, how can we? follow your journey where can we find you so i'm on instagram and my handle is sober flourish so at sober flourish at sober flourish yes awesome um great thank you so much for being a guest today it's been such a lovely chat and yeah it 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 blows me away how similar a lot of our stories are but how different they are at the same time and every single episode has something slightly different and there are going to be people out there Jodie that get a lot from this episode and I thank you for being brave and I know that you were nervous coming on to <laughs> this and you know you're putting yourself out there and you're doing that for the greater good and you're doing that to help people and giving back is very healing I think it is it is and honestly Terry it is as much as I kind of talk about the the kind of the hard parts of it, obviously this is not done from our comfort zone at all. And it is really, really difficult, but it is the most proud I have ever been of anything I've ever done, ever done. You can walk from the shop to the car and just be completely overwhelmed with 
gratitude because the rain smells amazing yeah. <laughs> it's a whole new world a complete whole new world but it is absolutely it's the biggest achievement I think outside of having my boys um that I've ever achieved it's, it's oh, just amazing makes my hair stand on end actually I just I, I can tell I can tell listening to you and I feel it too mm. and I think that is the feeling that you get when you start getting emotionally sober yeah. is yeah, you, do, you 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 do have that gratitude and I I always like to think that um when I was drinking I was asleep and when I got sober I woke up and that's what it was like I just I feel like I see things now I just see so much stuff that yeah. I wouldn't see I wouldn't you have feel you feel you feel yeah, yeah. You feel you see you smell it's everything's in HD um yeah. and um yeah it's it's wonderful so thank you so much and thank you for being my last recording of 2022 um and yeah have a wonderful Christmas and New Year and thank you everybody else we'll see you next time Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.